And it's officially Streak Week here on the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. What the heck is Streak Week? Well, it is a whole week and a day. Eight total days, eight new episodes. I'm doing this because of the fact I had some open time during the weekends. Normally I don't, but I made the most of it. I had eight interviews lined up, and I got some really great people on, and I really think you're going to enjoy it. Like I mentioned, every day we'll bring a new episode. We'll go from episode 156 all the way to 163. Again, eight days and eight new episodes. Hopefully you will enjoy them. And we'll start off with the broadcasting voice of the Chilla Coffee Paints and Jacob Wise. Also, happy Flag Day out there. It's a holiday celebrated in the United States. And we'll go ahead and start Streak Week off with episode 156. But not before, some friendly words from our new network partner in 12-ounce sports. Hey folks, this is Lee W. Mowen of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and I'm here to talk to you about my bookie. Since 2014, it's the place where you can bet on anything, anywhere, anytime. Get up to $1,000 on your first deposit bonus. Use the promo code 12OZSports. As well as sports betting, you can play some casino games, take in some live odds in Madden 20 and NBA 2K20, and even bet with Bitcoin. Visit mybookie.ag and use that promo code 12OZSports. That's 12OZSports, my bookie, the industry's most rewarding loyalty program. 12-Ounce Sports. Visit us at 12OunceSportsRadio.com. It's episode 156 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Our special guest is the voice of the Chilla Coffee Paints, Jacob Wise. We'll be talking about the lost 2020 Prospect League season, Jacob's 11 years broadcasting, his role with the Paints, and more as Ross County, Ohio invades the local Sunday Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. This is a weekly podcast dedicated to sports happening in the Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio region. Visit theleewmowen.com slash podcasts to listen on your favorite platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and more. Follow the host on Twitter at the Lee W. Mowen and the podcast at Sunday Pod. Opening theme is Arpy by Dan Hennig from the YouTube Music Library Collection. Now for your host, Lee W. Mowen. And on the feed right now is Jacob Wise, the play-by-play voice of the Chilla Coffee Paints. Jacob, how are you doing today? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm all right. Uh, happy to be here, although it would have been nice if we had some baseball to call. Yes, uh, we were very busy uh, at our ballpark last weekend. I think we had 24 games in four days, and we're on track to do the same this weekend, but it's it's not Prospect League baseball, so it's uh, not, not quite the entertainment value. Absolutely. So let's begin the interview. First of all, where are you from? I am from Asheville, Ohio, so uh, about 30 minutes directly north from Chillicothe, uh, just north of Circleville. Um, went to Taze Valley High School and uh, went to a few Paints games back in the day growing up. Taze Valley. We uh, At Valley View, we always faced Taze Valley at the Milton Union uh, track meet, which was always random just because Taze Valley was the farthest team yeah. coming into West Milton. It's like, hey, so I always like when I know what school it is. But how did you wind up in Chillicothe? You've had a very long broadcasting career. So I tend to be a bit of a procrastinator at times. Uh, <laughs> in college, uh, I went to school at Waynesburg University in southwestern Pennsylvania, and part of the communications department there is you had to have an internship that met their requirements to graduate. So you had to take your internship and then do 
a, a basically a seminar and then you had to give a presentation and get graded on the academic application of your internship and all that. So I'm sitting there and the, the deadline is coming up and I thought, Hey, maybe they do internships. Cause I, I had talked to a few other places and things weren't really working out for what I wanted to do. And uh, I got an email back and a couple of phone calls and I ended up uh, being an intern there in 2009, which was the first year of the prospect league. And then, um, they uh, offered me a job after that, but it wasn't in broadcast, so I really wanted to pursue the broadcast angle. Uh, the the guy there that was calling games uh, still a good friend of mine, but he was still there, so they weren't gonna weren't gonna boot him out for a new guy. So I spent some other years in the league and a couple in the Frontier League, and finally made my way back uh, full time as the play by play voice in 2016. When did you decide that you wanted to be? A broadcaster. I think I was about eight years old. My uh, mother, you know, like every mom does, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I want to be a professional baseball player. And she said, that's a great goal to have, but you might get hurt or you might not get recruited or there's a lot of things that can happen. You know, it was never, you might not be good enough. It was always, you know, she was very encouraging. But uh, I said, well, if I can't play, then I want to talk about it. And from that point on, basically, we would watch games on TV and I would kind of call a play by play to myself. Or if I was playing, I I played three sports growing up. I'd be in the dugout or on the bench or on the field, just kind of calling play by play as well. Or if I was watching a friend play and I just really fell in love with uh, doing the play by play and kind of being the eyes and ears and, and nose for the people listening in, who can't be there in the stadium with you. What was your first big break in the field? Um, I mean, it's probably my internship, honestly. Um, it wasn't like a normal internship because a lot of broadcast internships, when you go places, especially bigger places, you are basically just an assistant to the folks doing the broadcasting. And in this case, I was able to do middle innings of uh, all 23 home paints games that year. And then I would do color for the rest of the games, but also we hosted the Mid-American Conference baseball tournament there that year, and we kind of split up the games for MaxSports.com at the time. So I really got a ton of reps and got to know a lot of people, which, of course, you know, it's a lot about who you know also and what yeah. what uh, conversations you can have and relationships you can have with people. So that really opened up my world to a lot. The other one maybe I would say is when I got a new advisor in college my junior year, and it was Lanny Frateri who had broadcast Pirates baseball for 33 years in Pittsburgh. Very cool. Now, what is it like being the voice of the Paints, a team that's called Chillicothe home since 1993 in two separate leagues? Yeah, there there is a ton of pride in Chillicothe just for the Paints in general, and it really, really a lot of pride for all the people who work there, especially the people who work there year-round and have worked there for years. It is a family. We are uh, very – we take a lot of pride in what we do and uh, what we can bring to the community. We take a lot of pride in being good. Uh, the Paints have won over 66% of their home games since 2009, the start of the Prospect League, which has really been my time there, um, but they were always successful back in the Frontier League from 93 to 2017. The fan support's unbelievable. We have season ticket holders and host families that have been involved since uh, 1993, 1995, 20-plus, 20 25-plus 25 years. Uh, if they're not in the ballpark and they don't say hi to you, you usually notice that they're they're missing. Maybe they're on vacation or, or whatever, but... Uh, you know, it's it's really a cool atmosphere. It's an old school kind of ballpark built in 1954 that's been renovated, but it, it still has that old timey baseball charm. And the atmosphere when you get into the ballpark on a big game is is just incredible. We average 2000 plus fans and the, the kind of the old adage in minor league baseball, which is, is kind of atmosphere wise, what we compare ourselves to is that. You know, most fans maybe aren't there for the game. They're not diehard baseball fans, but but fans in Chillicothe, I tell you what, there was a couple years when I started there full-time where we weren't very good, and it was a gauntlet walking up the seats to the press box every single day because everybody would ask, what's wrong? What's wrong with the team? And, yeah, you can always pick it up, too, when things are going well on the field, when the, the fans know when to cheer, they know what's going on, they understand pitching rotations and all these uh, different things. So it's 
really a lot of fun to be a part of a market like this. I mean, the Chillicothe Paints, what a history they've had since 93. And they played every single year in at least one league until, you know, this whole nice coronavirus quarantine. But at the same time, I mean, the Paints have had a long history and several great rivalries, local great rivalries. I mean, this uh, past few seasons, you had the Champion City Kings and the Paints, of course. Uh, a few years back, when I was an intern with the Richmond River Rats. That was yeah. always a great series. And if you want to go a little bit further back in the Frontier League days, Chillicothe Richmond Roosters. That was a yeah. great rivalry back then. In fact, I think one or two of the Roosters title years, the Paints were the first playoff foe. So that sounds I, about I, right. I always enjoyed, I've always enjoyed the paints and, you know, the local rivalries that that creates. And Chillicothe is not too far either on third. Yeah, just, uh, what, about an hour, hour and a half at the most if you drive slow, I think, over to Richmond. That was a cool rivalry to bring over to the, to the Prospect League because when it formed in 09, I want to say there were four uh, Frontier League markets that kind of moved over to the College Wood Bat route in 2009 to help form the prospect league so it was cool to have those existing ties already there i think the the paints are perhaps the only original frontier league team that that came over i'd have to double check just looking at some of the the numbers or number some of the logos but uh there were there were four slippery rock was one of those uh they've since uh well actually they're champion city now so that that franchise (laughs) moved over there it's it's crazy to think that uh, when I was in Richmond, Slippery Rock, but now they're in Springfield, Ohio. So, yeah. Um, also, uh, have you noticed that there's a lot of Frontier League markets and independent markets that uh, are switching over to summer ball? Yeah, I mean, and a lot of it is just a, a, a money issue. Independent ball is extremely expensive, and it's getting more expensive uh, the paints, you know, when when the Frontier League started in '93, the the VA Memorial Stadium, and it doesn't, it didn't look anything like it does now. Uh, it was kind of the crown jewel of that league, and the whole idea was to bring professional baseball to markets that would never be able to get affiliated baseball. And now, player salaries have risen, and the cost of operation have risen. The markets are farther away, so now your travel costs and hotels and everything has gotten more expensive. And it got to the point where, you know, teams are building 30 plus million dollar stadiums in Chicago and St. Louis suburbs and and bigger cities. And it just you couldn't operate in Ross County, Ohio. You couldn't operate that way in Chillicothe and be competitive um, business wise or on the field. And so we went the college wood bat route. And I think we were one of the first to do that. And now other teams are starting to follow suit. You know, the River City Rascals won the Frontier League last year, and now they're a college wood bat operation as the uh, O'Fallon Hoots now was going to be their first year in the Frontier League this year. Normal Corn Belters, same thing. They moved over to the Prospect League last year, and I think that's going to continue probably to go that way for the kind of medium to lower tier independent teams just because the operational cost is is way more than I think the average fan would would ever anticipate. I was kind of hoping O'Fallon would keep the Rascals' name, to be yeah. honest. But at least we have Corn Belters, you know. Yeah, the the Corn whatever. Belters are still there. Beautiful stadium, too. I've heard nothing but great things about it. And yeah. also, uh, what is that? Car Shield Field. Car Shield Field, yeah, and O'Fallon. It's, I mean, it's a really cool place too. So, what were your expectations for this 2020 season? It would have been the year Chillicothe defended their title. Uh, what What were you thinking? I mean, on paper, I think we had as good, if not better, of a team than we had last year to win the title. We had nine returners so far signed to play for the Paints that played on the championship team last year, including Trey Smith, who hit the Grand Slam in the championship game in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, 30 minutes away from his hometown in Sykeston. You know, it was it was crazy. He had 150 friends and family there. Uh, he was coming back. We had. Uh, Gavin Homer out of Penn State, who had a 22-game hit streak and hit home run four days in a row. Um, we had our closer of the year, who won the award for closer of the year in the Prospect League last year, Nate Hall coming back out of Toledo. And then some new additions, like uh, a couple of guys from Ohio State who had absolute monster seasons, uh, this either the spring before or, or were just massive recruits out of high school. 
um, were having good starts to their freshman years, perhaps uh, this year at Ohio State before all the coronavirus stuff shut everything down and, and ended everything much earlier than we all would have liked. But I, I got to believe that that team was going to be every bit as good, if not better than than the year before. So we were all pretty excited about that. You mentioned Ohio State baseball. Uh, the when the quarantine began, the Buckeyes were supposed to be at Wright State that Tuesday. Literally, there was a series against Milwaukee at Wright State, and then OSU was supposed to come in. I think the first time Ohio State visited Wright yeah. State for anything since '96. So I was really looking forward to PA in that game, and you know, you know how that turned out. It yeah. didn't. But right. that, that was still – that was a big game, and hopefully they get that rescheduled for 2021. But it seemed like the Paints' 2020 season was going to be better, if not just as good, as last year's title-winning team. Yeah, the thing about last year's team, too, is we it had an incredibly slow start to the season. Two and seven. Uh, started two and seven. I think of those seven losses – Five of them were by one or two runs, and the issue was the Paints just weren't scoring any runs to start the season. And there is a little bit of an adjustment period with the quality of pitching that you see on a, an inning-by-inning, night-in-night-out basis compared to uh, a lot of the college seasons. Also playing every day, getting used to kind of taking care of your body, being part of the equation instead of playing you know, a midweek series and then a weekend series. And then the Pains went 41-14 and 14 the rest of the season, including playoffs. And one of the things that I think is the coolest facts about last year's team was all nine starters in the Game 3 of the Prospect League Championship Series, which was the title game, all nine starters were on the opening day roster, which you do not see a lot in the college wood bat game, really even in the independent game, because there's so much roster turnover. There are guys that get hurt or they get tired or they miss home or whatever because these guys come from all over the country and they just decide, you know, this I'm I've been playing every day for three weeks. I'm tired. I need to go home or my arm's sore or whatever. You just lose guys and you bring new guys in. But all nine in the championship game all were on the opening day roster, which I think was uh, pretty incredible. You mentioned a key component about the summer ball. It's just the roster turnover. Yeah. Um, it, it's crazy to think, you know, how many, you know, don't stick with the team and how many get chances later on in the season. It's it's crazy to think that, you know, summer collegiate ball has that amount of turnover into the into the teams. Yeah, and the prospect league actually has a rule that you cannot release a player because of poor performance. So the team only can release a player if there's a disciplinary issue or if there's an injury, I mean, it just there's only a few specific reasons why a player can leave. Obviously, they can voluntarily leave, uh, but you can't release a player because of poor performance. And so even with that, you have teams with a 32-man, a on a normal year, a 32-man roster will, that will end up with 73, 75 guys over the course of a, a two-month-plus season. And it, usually those are the teams that aren't doing really well in the playoffs uh, or getting to the playoffs, for that matter. Uh, those are the bottom teams. Because if you look up at the standings, especially when you have a full season where the the standings are what they are at the end of the season based on the whole year versus winner of the first half, winner of the second half, where you might have some hope in the middle of the year. If you look up in, in July 1st and you're a month in and you're tired and you're playing every day and you're on buses for eight hours a day or whatever, and you're 15 games out of first place... You know, it takes some mental toughness to not say, hey, I think I just want to pack it in and rest for the summer and get ready for fall ball. And also, it's got to be tough, too, because, you know, when you get towards the playoffs, normally colleges are opening back up and yep. they got to go back and get ready for the college baseball regimen. You mentioned something pretty interesting, too, that players can't be released just because they're struggling. And I really like that because it's – it's not only just about getting yourself, you know, in the eyes of scouts and drafted. It's about, you know, bettering your craft, bettering your game. Yeah, and we take a, a huge approach um, from that angle in Chillicothe. And I know other teams do. Quincy's a big one as well. They use a lot of analytics uh, with things. We don't necessarily go that approach where we're doing throwing programs and, and checking velos and exit velocities and all that stuff. But we do really rely on the, the developmental side 
And a lot of it, though, we leave up to the players because, you know, first of all, we want players that want to be there, that want to do the extra work, that want to get better. Um, but it's up to them. So one of the things about the Prospect League is it's supposed to prepare you for a professional type minor league baseball where you're playing every night, you're on buses, you got to take care of your body. But part of that also is learning how to get in your own routine. So we don't say, hey, you've got to be here at this time and we're going to go through this stretching regimen. It's batting practice at 430. If you want to come early, we're here to help you. And that includes BP, bullpens, taking infield and outfield. All of those things are available. And the players who really dedicate themselves to doing the extra work and not just showing up a couple hours before the game and playing, uh, I mean, what they show when they go back to their colleges are, are unbelievable. One one for us last year was Austin Calipetro, a pitcher out of Toledo, where you know a big guy throws hard, but he really struggled throwing strikes and, and being consistent on the mound early in the year, but he worked and worked and worked and worked, and he ended up just being an unbelievable pitcher for us down the stretch. He he started the championship game, was was lights out there. And there's another example, Griffin Smith out of Ohio State a couple of years. He pitched for us, didn't have a ton of experience at Ohio State the spring before. He was a young guy. And then he goes back in the next spring after he plays for us and gets a ton of experience and a lot of work aside from just pitching in games. And he throws and is crucial in winning the, the Big Ten tournament that year. So it's fun to really see on the other side of the season, you get the guys coming in and you can look at their numbers, but it's really fun to follow those guys after they've been in Chillicothe or if you're a fan of another team or, or whatever, seeing what they do the, the spring after playing in the prospect league. You mentioned a couple of players already for Chillicothe, but who are some of your favorites that you've gotten to cover over the years? Uh, I mean, so the first two years I was there full-time, 2016 and 2017, we were not very good. And and part of that at times comes with just kind of the attitude of the player. Um, but I, one that sticks out in those first couple of years uh, that, I, that I really, really liked uh, was a catcher out of uh, Western Michigan named Jesse Forstell. And he ended up playing in the the uh, Northwoods league for a couple of years for Madison, which is if you follow college wood bat baseball, summer ball at all, they uh, lead the, the entire country in attendance with about 6,000 fans every single night. It's just unbelievable what they do there in Madison, but uh, really, really cool to meet a guy like that and, and other players that you can sit to and talk on the bus and they'll tell you about their personal lives and what they're wanting to do after they get out of school, if they can't play baseball. Um, but you know, a guy like Zach Kendall, who pitched for us last year and was going to pitch for us again this year. Just real scrappy, um, very soft-spoken, doesn't say a whole lot. Uh, but uh, when he gets on the mound, he, he's ready to go to battle, and, and there's nothing mentally that you can do to to shake him. You, you know, you could hit a grand slam off of him. He's, he's trying to strike out the next guy. Uh, but uh, let's say a 2009 intern year, first year of the Prospect League, A.J. Ochter, he was a pitcher for us out of Michigan State. He ended up pitching for the Angels and the Twins, um, I believe. I know at least the Twins. I think the Angels as well. But uh, A.J. Ochter, I think he's a coach now at one of the, one of the Michigan uh, Mac schools. But uh, it's there's so many names over the last 11 years, it's hard to, to keep up with all of them. But uh, there, there's certainly a few stories here and there that, that stick out once in a while. Are there any paints from the independent Frontier League days that reach out and say hi? Or yeah, we uh, we get we actually get some show up every now and then uh, to games that they might live locally. Uh, Gator McBride, who has his jersey retired, will pop in every once in a while. And of course, a few years ago we had our 25th season of Paints Baseball, so we had a little bit of a celebration there, and uh, several former players came back and and hung out, but really where I get uh, most interaction with former players, especially the Frontier League days, are through some of our longtime host families. So the people who have come and um, they're they're big fans and they take the players in for the summer and basically adopt them for the summer. And those are lifelong relationships most of the time. And so they'll tell us about their players and every now and then they'll say, hey, this guy stayed with me in 1996 and he did this and that and I remember this game. And so it's fun to to relive those stories and meet these guys when they, when they stop into Chillicothe, it's, it really is a special place. And so when people were driving through, if they used to go to games or 
play there in the past, they'll uh, they'll stop in and say hi most of the time. I do wonder what's the main difference of hosting an independent ball player compared to a collegiate ball player. Yeah, I mean that's not something that I've I've really asked before, but uh, I could imagine that part of it is maybe the the old a little bit older guys, the independent guys, maybe had a little bit more um, independent in them as far as they were used to being on their own and used to being responsible for themselves. Uh, and whereas the college guys uh, haven't really been out on their own yet, uh, so they may rely a little bit more on uh, a little bit of structure. But I think it's it's largely the same, especially with the travel schedule, where uh, you're you're not there a whole lot. Honestly, you're there. You, you sleep and maybe eat dinner, um, maybe grab lunch before you head to the ballpark sometimes. But there may be four or five days where you're not there at all because you're on the road in hotels. Um, the couple host families that I stay in contact with. Uh, pretty regularly they uh, don't really say that there's much difference some of them said that they were a little bit worried about it when it went to the college just because of the change but uh, they're super super happy that they continued to be host families which is great to hear I mean they're still entangled with paints baseball and you know chill coffee sports so definitely it's nice to see that the paints have just really haven't had the ball stop rolling from the change in 25 strong years in Ross County, Ohio too. Yeah. And we're, we're getting closer to, to 30 now. Um, I think this would have been our 28th year, uh, 28th season since 1993. Of course, this will be the first time no, no paints baseball in Chillicothe since the summer of 1992. So uh, it's going to be weird. It, it's certainly already a little bit weird. It doesn't, feel like june to me at all it's june 10th and uh usually by the middle of may we're pretty pretty hectic as far as getting ready for the season at the end of may but um i think the 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 fans and the community will be very very excited when we're able to open back up next may hopefully well the temperatures certainly feel like june but yes they do oh god yesterday was brutal but anyway that's not important uh jacob do you get to travel with the paints yeah, so all of our games are on FM radio. We've had a, a radio, the same radio partner for uh, over 20 years. Uh, it might be around 25. I know the first couple of seasons were on a different radio station, but uh, it's a pretty high-powered FM station out of uh, Waverly, Ohio, so about a half hour south of where it is, where the paints are in Chillicothe, but you can actually hear it in your car all the way up to 270 um, and a little bit you know, towards Grove City, uh, a little bit north of that bottom ring. But uh, very big FM power station. And then we also stream on our own mobile app that's free to download. Just search Chillicothe Paints on the uh, App Store or Google Play. And then uh, we also stream it through our website as well. So we uh, we hear from people. Uh, we, we try to get people to email in and interact. And there are people listening. I think sometimes uh, it's a little surprising to you know, hear that somebody's stuck all the way through 14 innings of a game in West Virginia or whatever it is, but it's it's fun to interact with our fans that way. It's also great, too. I mean, you mentioned the radio station, so that's nice for Southern Ohio, but uh, on the website and the app, I mean, you don't have to be landlocked in Chillicothe or the right. surrounding area to catch Paints Baseball. You can, you can get to the Internet, and bam, it's right there. Yeah, we, we uh, you know, used to when we started this whole thing, with the radio station was you should, people would show up with their transistor radio and their headphones on and sit in the stadium and listen to the game. And you don't really see that anymore. Instead you see somebody with uh, earbuds in and on their phone uh, if they're listening uh, in the stadium. So uh, that's part of that is we we're just trying to stay up with, with technology. And the other part of it is we want parents who are all over the United States and, and coaches of their players. We want to, them to be able to listen to the games as well. It's a really nice idea, and I really, really enjoy that. Um, but let me ask you, uh, on the road, where are your favorite venues you've been to? Uh, let's see. I'm, I, I get kind of grumpy. I've been around too long <laughs> to where, uh, I mean, you understand. You go, you go some places, and, and you, as soon as you get on the bus or as soon as you see the place, you're just kind of like, I'm glad I'm here to call the play-by-play because this is what I love to do, and I would do it in the middle of a cornfield with with no electricity or fans if if that's what I had to do. But 
some places are more comfortable than others. Um, it's in our in our division in the East. Um, I do enjoy Terre Haute, which uh, they play at Indiana State's facility there in uh, Terre Haute, just uh, almost on the Indiana Illinois border, and it's a it's a pretty nice facility. It was renovated very heavily before they came in the league in 2010, and then they divvied up the press box so there are individual booths with individual air conditioning units that you can set to however you want, uh, which is a big thing for me. They have they have AC. Um, <laughs> West Virginia has AC and they have a bathroom in the press box, but you can't see the field very well. Um, what else in the East Division? Danville, nice view of the field, but it's an open air, so it's. I swear, every time I go to Danville, it's 150 degrees. So, uh, but but great view of a, a really cool old stadium that, that's that's very historic there. Champion City, honestly, is is one of the best because you have air conditioning. You have a phenomenal view of the field, and there's a bathroom like ten steps away, which which is always important. Yeah, I definitely uh, the one game I got to PA announce for the Kings last year. I definitely dug that field. It's very nice. It's uh, yeah. Wittenberg's uh, Wittenberg Tigers place where they play baseball, and yeah, great field. And the press box felt like you're right on top of it. Yeah, yeah, you look That's... right down on it, and uh, it's a it's. The way it's built, you don't have to have a big crowd for it to be impactful on the field because you're so on top and you're kind of elevated over the field there at uh, Champion City that even just a few hundred will really make a difference in terms of the atmosphere and everything's in front of you there. As long as as you're not standing in line at the concession stand directly behind home plate, you can see it from anywhere there. I always like the... I've never been, but I always like the pictures of the views of Beckley because... You know, you're in the, you're in the mountainside, the hills. Yeah, it's like they there. flattened off the top of a hill on top of Beckley and put in a parking lot in a, a concrete block stadium that has no character. But uh, it is a nice view uh, with the uh, trees in the background and the the rolling hills off past center field. If you have, if you can't tell, West Virginia is. You talk about local rivalries, but West Virginia has always been the competitive rivalry for the Paints. Mm. Uh, they came in the league in in 2010 and. A lot of years it's been between the Miners and the Paints in the playoffs or to get into the playoffs um, to get to the championship uh, out of the East. So I try not to have too many public good things to say about West Virginia, whether they deserve it or not, because I got to I got to keep my fans happy. (laughs) Absolutely. Good, good people Uh, over there, though. Absolutely. Yes. Now, are there any uh, prospect league stadiums that you wanted to see and never got to or any spots that you definitely want to see in your future? Yeah. So um, I I didn't think I was going to get to go to Cape Girardeau last year because the way the schedule worked out, uh, you really only played a couple of teams out of the other division and and Cape Girardeau wasn't one of those. Of course, that's where SEMO plays and they had put a new turf and a new scoreboard. And then when the, when the catfish got a team, they their owner very very cool guy he he spent a ton of money to kind of retrofit this really really old ballpark to be suitable for prospect league play so when we made it to the championship series we drove out to Cape Girardeau and got to hang out there for a couple of games and dogpile on I mean I didn't dogpile but our team got to dogpile on the field and uh, that was a really cool facility a very unique setting which I think is Maybe the coolest thing you get in in the college woodbat summer leagues is just the uniqueness of all the different setups. Um, Lafayette's going to be phenomenal. They are yeah. building a brand new ballpark that's going to be gorgeous. Uh, I believe it's the same architect as who built the stadium in Kokomo. They were in our league for a few years before going to a, a different league, which that place was unbelievable to be at. You felt like you were in a, a brand new double A ballpark. Um, DuPage plays at a Division Three school, and it's a nice little Division Three ballpark in a complex with their other sports facilities. Um, I'm excited to go to O'Fallon. I went there when they were in the Frontier League a couple of times, but it's they've done some changes since I was there. Quincy is really cool. It's an old WPA ballpark. Um, Springfield's an old minor league ballpark that's huge, and it's pretty cool. Um, so I'm, I, I enjoy going to all the different ballparks. So when the schedule comes out and I don't get to go everywhere, I get, I get kind of grumpy, but, 
Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I like the travel aspect. I like going to different places and, and seeing different uh, ballparks and, and things. So I guess that's one good thing about sometimes you have the team turnover or teams moving uh, usually one or two every single season. Um, I know Alton, Illinois has been announced for next season. They're going to join the league next year. And uh, I think that's going to be a, a really cool situation there. So I'm excited to see that. And I know uh, the commissioner has several other things that he's hoping to to finalize or put in the works that I'm not allowed to talk about or uh, don't even know about some of them. But uh, always exciting things on the horizon. And, I, and that's one of the things I always think about first is that'll be a cool city to go to or a cool ballpark to visit. You know, when when I was interning with the River Rats, uh, there was Butler, Pennsylvania, and yeah, I think that was, I think that would have been a stadium I would have loved to been at. It's a it's a really cool stadium. Um, if I was a fan, I would love it to death. Um, but they, to sound grumpy again, they put you, <laughs> they they have all this indoor space, but it's all for groups. Um, which is great from a business standpoint because they have all these indoor suites and they can expand them or, or close them down. They have those walls that like open up um, and, but they have no press box. So you, you are, are seated underneath this speaker. That's like 110 decibels Ooh. and uh, people walk up to you and ask where their ticket, you know, where to go in the stadium. They show you your ticket, even though you're wearing the other team's logo and, uh, but you're right on top of the action there. Well, that's cool. I, uh, it's definitely I unique. If I could be the grumpy man for a second, uh, Butler, Pennsylvania, and there's Butler University in Indianapolis, uh-huh. and they had the same uh, color scheme. So I'm always, I'm always afraid, like, oh no, I'm going to call them the Bulldogs today. <laughs> but luckily, I've definitely I've done did. things like that a few times. They had a Cincinnati Bearcat. I think it was my second and last year at Richmond. Uh, Russell Clark. Okay. Russell yeah. Clark. Yeah. I, I think yeah he was a a Blue Sock for a while, and. What was cool is their closest foe was like five minutes away at Slippery Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were whenever when I was in Slippery Rock. Whenever Butler came to Slippery Rock, it was our biggest crowd because they would bring everybody the the fifteen minutes away from Butler to Slippery Rock, and so that was always a big night. We always got excited when the the Butler folks were there. But you mentioned Richmond though. That's one I I kind of skipped over. Uh, McBride Stadium there is nice old. Uh, historic ballpark when you were there did you broadcast from the booth or from the gm's office uh we were on top of the on top of the okay. roof yeah uh that's where the press box was uh nowadays they had they built a room in where the fans sit and yeah that's right the underneath press box because i think it's unsafe anymore but <laughs> man what a view that was we had a net yeah. that protected us so all the foul balls would just roll in front of us but Man, that was that was such a great view, and I, I love McBride Stadium. And just yeah. to think, if the Roosters got their stadium built by seventy and forty, I mean, who knows what happened to McBride Stadium? Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, it would still be there. Um, I, but when I, I was there so. first, we were still using phone lines, and we were announcing <laughs> from the behind first base in the coaches or in the in the GM's office, and then we moved up to the top on the roof, which. I think as we walked up there, we knew it probably wasn't the safest thing in the world, but we you can't beat that view. No, I mean, just McBride Stadium. Just And it's it right was, there off the road in the neighborhood. It's just a cool cool location, a cool setting. It's a neighborhood ballpark, if you think about it. And there's plenty of things to do around there. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed my two years there, definitely. And We're, We had the All-Star game there one year, and I helped uh, – one of the local breweries made a, a special beer just for the all-star game there. And we did a, a special can wrap and I was involved in that. So I think I have one of those cans uh, with the Richmond, Indiana prospect league all-star game sitting uh, on a shelf in my office. If it's the same brewery, they had uh, wine slushies at one year and I was like, <laughs> wow, that sounds, that sounds amazing. It's 105 degrees out. That actually sounds really amazing. Yeah, right Not now. bad at all. Um, what else was I going to mention? Oh, yeah. Uh, There's one of the offices that there's three Richmond Roosters jerseys hanging about. And then there's these giant McDonald's cups, like the big 64-ounce ones you can get at Speedway or something. Yeah. And they had the uh, Roosters logo on there and the schedule for 95, I think. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I I like old gear. I'm a nerd like that. But You should look up the uh, Frontier League Facebook page. They've got a history page, and they've been – 
pretty active on it over the last uh, couple of months with some cool stuff. There was a post, uh, I forget what it was, I think it was a couple posts ago that they had a couple old pictures of Chilla Coffee and just, it, like you mentioned, the Chilla Coffee community just, swar- just swarming the paints. That's that's huge. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen this. We just yesterday somebody found a VHS of a, uh, a kind of like a promo video. It's like two and a half minutes yes. from 1994. It was I, a promo I, for 94, but the footage was from 93, the first season. I need to watch that. I did. I saw it and I put it in the back of my mind, and I need to go back and watch it when I have a chance. Yeah, it's pretty that, wild. That, that looks great. It looks very 90s. But oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I, the the jerseys though I I always thought the paints had you know kind of similar style jerseys but the ones I saw on the uh, the preview is like whoa what are those Yeah, we actually um, for the twenty fifth season so we usually do a t shirt giveaway every single year mm-hmm. um, at, on one of our home games you know we have promotions just like minor league baseball like if you're going to a Clippers game bobbleheads and fireworks and Giveaways, we do all that stuff too, and uh, for that season, just kind of as a nod to to 1993, I think they wore those in 94 also, um, I had found an original season jersey. Actually, a fan brought it in and said, hey, I got this jersey. It's from the first season. Can I trade it for, uh, it was like a coach's pullover or something, and I was like, absolutely, whether I was allowed to or not. I was like, that's something that we should have, and I was able to take that and recreate the the paints script that was on the front of it and we used that and and screen printed it on the t-shirts and so we kind of had like a, a jersey a first season jersey giveaway uh that year which uh, a lot of the older fans appreciated oh i bet i mean that's a keepsake that is yeah a keepsake. absolutely I definitely do i definitely enjoy that now here here jacob here's all the money you need um if you were to put prospect league franchises in any town any city that you want why are you picking and why oh man i know this one's out left field but uh you know i I normally get my best questions during an interview so i apologize (laughs) i i i um i we've we've been struggling to find teams in the east Mm. just because of the saturation of ballpark if there's a, a suitable ballpark it probably has a team in it um and so it would really be nice to have a team somewhere in the northern Kentucky area, um, not to boot Florence, the Florence Yalls out, but that'd be a perfect <laughs> spot, honestly, and that stadium's yeah. beautiful right on the interstate. But uh, somewhere somewhere in the northern Kentucky area probably or uh, in that little part of West Virginia that kind of sticks up between Ohio and Pennsylvania. Okay. Like, like Wheeling or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know how much it would be, but I don't know if Florence, the new owners, would say, hey, let's keep the y'alls going and let's have, like, the y'all summer team or something yeah. like that. Cause, although I don't know how, you know, if that's something that can be done or not just because independent baseball schedule is very similar to prospect league schedule. It's yeah, I think, the, play, I think they play 96 in the Frontier League, but they start earlier and go later. Um, and so okay. the the prospect league season almost matches up exactly. It just is kind of the meat of the the season, which actually works out better for us because uh, too early in the year it's cooler and people are still in school. And then if you go too late in the year, high school football starting to to begin, which obviously you know in Ohio yeah. is a a big deal. So if there's oh, a high school football game or a paints game, I mean they love us, but they're going to go to the high school football game. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that that's just a fact in Ohio. Although UC Health Stadium, man, that's a that's a yeah, great field. Beautiful. That's a great field. Do you, are you familiar with why they're so they have their seats that are different colored as you get out towards the outfield? Uh I've never actually been inside UC Health Stadium, so, so no. If, I, so if you look I at don't. a picture of the inside, they have different colors. so the, the seats, like the two sections right behind home plate are one color and then they you get a little bit farther down the line, it's another color. You get another bit down the line, it's another color. And it's a nod to old uh, Riverfront Stadium where as you went up, like the first level was one color of seats, and then the second level was another color, like yellow and then red. 
And so they did that when they built uh, UC Health Stadium uh, when the uh, Florence Freedom first came in, and it was just kind of a nod to that. And I think a lot of people see it at first and like, what in the world's going on here? But <laughs> they're so close to Cincinnati. That was my first question when I walked in that ballpark the first time, and I thought that's a that's a pretty cool little feature. You know, I I really want to see them have red and white seats just to match the water tower. I mean, sure. they have the mascot already. So. Yeah, they well they went to the y'alls. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Did you see their home jerseys, though? Yeah, the powder Ooh. blue. Ooh, those those are great. Jerseys, pants, and and caps. Man, those. It's a those pretty it's a pretty slick look. Yeah, absolutely. So, Jacob, what people might not know about you is you created Prospect League TV. Uh, can you tell me how you came up with the idea and the process to get it league wide? Uh, it was quite the process. Um, so the paints, we had experimented with streaming video of our games the two prior years. Mm-hmm. Um, so six, well, yeah, 16 and 17. And it went pretty well. We got a lot of hits. We were just posting it up on like Facebook Live, uh, which at the time didn't really let you stream in great quality. And our camera, honestly, it wasn't very good either. It was like a webcam or an iPad, an iPad mini or something small. But I just wanted to see what kind of response we would get. And it went pretty well. And so I was looking into some other options. And uh, at the time, some other leagues. And also because at, at the VA, we host a lot of other college games. And so they would, their SIDs would come in and they would stream. And they're like, oh, we do it through Stretch Internet or we do it through Blue Frame or whatever. And so I kind of looked into Stretch and I had, had some familiarity with them. Uh, which now is bought by Presto Sports. So uh, it's all under that Presto Sports umbrella. It does websites and everything else. But um, the Nor- the Northwoods League was doing it also. And just because of the way their league is set up, they, they have a ton of money to burn from the league level. And so they bought equipment for all their teams to have a streaming set up and they set up with how to get announcers and, and all these different things as covers college interns or whatever. Um, and I thought, man, that'd be really cool if all of the teams in the league did video streaming their games. And so we, we kind of inquired about that. And then then Presto sent us a kind of a roadmap and, and what that could look like for each team. So we, we made like a four-year plan. And uh, basically almost everybody got on board right away. Uh, the vote went pretty easily in favor of, of creating that. And now we're just trying to ramp up and, and do it better each and every year. And it's great because every fan of every team has an opportunity to watch their favorite uh, players at different venues, and I, I, I love it. I mean, yeah, I of, wish we had this uh, when I was an intern too. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that we did to to kind of help with cost too, and just logistics of it is, um, the home team is required. That's their responsibility is the video feed. Mm-hmm. So. You know, when the paints are in Beckley, West Virginia, and you're uh, you have a, a package to watch just the paints or the entire league, you're going to get their video feed, their announcers, um, and then if you want to listen to the visiting team's announcers, you can if they have radio or streaming, you can you can do it that way. Um, but uh, it, it does definitely makes it easier because when we first started talking about it, some were like, "Well, you know, we're gonna do another hotel room for our our video personnel, and we've got to buy all this equipment and travel with it and all." And so it just it made a lot more sense to to go at it with that route. But I think it's cool, too, for um, if it is a college intern that comes in and announces or I mean, I think it's cool for me. And I'm <laughs> I'm not I'm far removed from that now, but it, it's neat to be exposed to different fan bases as well. And, and it kind of reminds you as a broadcaster to keep in mind that even though I'm I'm the broadcaster for the paints, I've got people from, you know, f- parents and fans of the other team uh, tuning in as well. Absolutely. Actually, I I loved it when uh, we had that for Federal Hockey League and uh-huh. Dayton Demons, so that was really nice. And at the time, we were the only ones to give a, an audio stream for those that you know couldn't see nice. the video. But is yeah, that where you I, got your I, ring? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's uh, it's a little beat up because I wear it all the time. But uh, that's what they're for. Yeah, uh, that's where it's from, and I, it's really cool. Uh, although. To be honest, the the uh, tech issues with video that was not cool dealing with, but no, hey, 
we we got it eventually. So. They've uh, but they've come a long way in that regard, and that's one reason we went with the company also that we went with because their uh, support from their end was really really good. And there are some teams in our league that I don't I don't worry about as far as being able to pull it off from a technical standpoint, but uh, other teams just because they don't have the staff or they don't have people there year round that do this kind of thing or maybe they might not get lucky and get an intern that knows knows how to to troubleshoot these kinds of things they're able to basically walk you through it and set everything up and make sure everything looks good on their end uh and that that way we deliver a, a good product you also mentioned uh, stretch internet too i can remember a time when i was in college uh, you would call in with your cell phone. You yeah. call the game from that RS idea, Wright State at the time, did that PA, and he might have did, he might have done scoreboard too. But yeah, uh-huh. I just I remember that. And Presto Sports, they do Youngstown State's website. That's their stats is very nice. So yeah, they I, do I they do everything now. They do um, so a lot of colleges have gone to their stats, especially for like baseball and softball and basketball because. Stat crew just like jacked up all their prices a couple of years ago, even though it's still a DOS based program. And so yeah. Presto kind of came up with the alternative and, and they will they'll house it and, and compile it for you and uh, integrate it to your website and social media. I mean, it's just uh, the way the options there and we've looked at some of them uh, from the prospect league in too. Uh, the options maybe for the future are, are, are pretty good from that end. What do you look for in the future, or what are some plans in the future for Prospect League TV that you'd like to see implemented? I, in an ideal world, I would like to get to a point where we have four cameras in every ballpark uh, and that we have a play-by-play and a color person um, announcing. So you have a, a full announced team and you have four cameras, uh, three of those, at least two of those being operated, so you would have a center field camera, which could be locked down. And then you have maybe like behind third, behind first, and then about press box, like right behind home plate kind of view. Uh, and that's what the Northwoods league does and some other leagues. Um, and, and it just, it really helps polish the broadcast and, and gets you away from some of that fatigue you might have of looking at the same camera angle that doesn't move for three, three, four hours on, on end. And I just think that, it opens up uh, potential for revenue. It, it just it it makes everybody look better as a league. Uh, it makes the individual teams look better um, from a PR standpoint. Just that you really have your stuff together and you're putting out this really polished uh, professional product. So uh, that's kind of the goal is to eventually get to that. We're a long way from that on the league level right now, but uh, I think we have a lot of people involved that want to get there. Now, Jacob, we've talked a lot about Chill Coffee Paints and the Prospect League, but what are some of the other things you do in terms of broadcasting? So, well, I did Urbana football last fall, but I don't think that's going to happen. Nope, they closed <laughs> Unfo- their doors. Unfortunately. Uh, um, some, well, that broke my heart. Yeah, some good people, really good people over there. Um, community be impacted by that as well. Uh, really sad to see that, but uh, that was fun to do last fall. Um, getting back into the football play-by-play game. I am uh, actually a co-host on the Accurate Heating, Cooling, and Plumbing Scoreboard Show, a 94 Country WKKJ, the uh, kind of the flagship iHeart station there in in Chillicothe. Really kind of a legendary station. It's been there for a long time. Um, and so we have a, a broadcast crew do a game on Friday night for football, and then as soon as it's done, they go to us. And we, we give the scores and talk to all the coaches, and, and we really have a blast for a few hours on Friday nights, and then we do the same thing during uh, basketball season as well, but then I'll do fill-in play-by-play uh, for those. There were there was a basketball game and a football game last year where I called the game, and then as soon as the game was over, I jumped in the car and drove back to the radio station and hopped on like five minutes after the show started to, to do double duty. I'm sure you know what that's like. Um, but I've, yeah. also done, I've also done football and basketball in the Springfield area. Um, I did that for a, a few years before I started doing this uh, deal in Chillicothe a couple of years ago during the high school sports season. So really covered most of Clark County. Um, and, you know, I've done uh, for a couple of years out of college, I did play by play for Olympic sports for uh, Pitt Panthers television uh, over nice. in Pittsburgh. So I'd, I'd go over there uh, usually for the whole weekend. And we did women's gymnastics and basketball or women's gymnastics, volleyball, 
uh, wrestling, men and women's soccer, and then baseball and softball. So that was absolutely a blast. Uh, but I just try to pick up it, wherever I can to a local radio station or or a school or whatever. If they have an opening, I always try to jump in when I can. You mentioned a lot of sports. Is there any sport that you want to uh, have a crack at broadcasting? Hockey. Hockey is the yeah. one. So I'm a season ticket holder for the Blue Jackets. Uh, have been for several years. Big hockey fan. Um, when I lived in Rockford, we had a ticket trade for Rockford Ice Hogs AHL of uh, the Blackhawks mm-hmm. tickets. So I was there all the time. Um, that's the one sport I've never had the opportunity to play or announce. And I always wanted to play it as a kid. And I would I would absolutely love a chance to try my hand at. It. Although I hear from from some hockey announcers that I've talked to that it takes quite a few games to kind of to get comfortable well yeah but that's with any sport i mean sure practice makes perfect but really for ice hockey i know there's several high schools up there that's uh that could use a play-by-play guy i mean it's you know it's nice to you know cover ice hockey because there are some good teams yeah absolutely I mean, Dublin Jerome's great. Uh, Upper Arlington, they had an undefeated season until, you know, what was it, the region semis? Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you want to have a shot at ice hockey, I definitely recommend going up to Columbus because that's kind of it until you get to Charleston yeah. or the Dayton area. Um, but, yeah, definitely, I, I love ice hockey. I could talk yeah, your ear off about hockey all day. That's kind of your main jam, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I broadcast for two high school teams at a venue on YouTube, so that's definitely my winter jam, and get to go to Cincinnati, Dayton, sometimes Columbus, sometimes Northwest Ohio, so awesome. definitely, definitely love it. Now, Jacob, I think, uh, I think I know the answer to this question, but how has the coronavirus affected you and your jobs? Well, I didn't do a whole lot between, so March 12th, we had... Um, Brescia and another one of those River States Conference schools. I can't remember which one. It might have been Urbana, uh, which was out of the the Division Two. It was a non conference game, but um, yeah. yeah, we had some. We had a couple of uh, college games there that week, and then all this stuff started happening, and, and it was happening, you know, second by second. If you're scrolling through Twitter, and so March thirteenth. We did not go to the ballpark, and until a week from yesterday, I had not been to the ballpark. So it was very different. <laughs> Normally, you know, we would have had high school regionals, high school districts. We would have had um, regular season high school games, regular season college games. We would have had the River States Conference Tournament. We would have had the uh, North Coast Athletic Conference Tournament with Wittenberg and, and all that that group. Uh, we would have had that at the stadium. So that was the biggest change, just not being at the ballpark basically for two months. Um, still doing a lot of the social media, digital side of things. I really kind of ramped up the player announcements, hoping that we were going to start July 1st, feeling like we probably weren't going to, but hoping still. Um, so just being sitting at home and, and not being at the ballpark was certainly a big change. Yeah, uh, my tale is similar to yours where – I had four college baseball games I announced, three uh, between Dayton and Norfolk, Kentucky, and Wright State, Miami, and that was it. That was my last yeah. game that Tuesday. And I think we were yeah. sitting. I was, I was sitting on my bed scrolling through Twitter well, the one night, and the NBA was playing, and the one player tested positive, and they like quarantined both teams right before the game started. And then I think it was the Big East. There was a game in the like they were at halftime of one of their Big East tournament games, and just like as you scrolled, it was like every new tweet on your feed was, "This is canceled. That's canceled. This is shut down. We're quarantining this." And I think at that point we kind of knew that uh, we were going to be in for the long haul. It's like that scene from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles when they're <laughs> looking at the screen and just all the flights go from delayed yep. to canceled. Like ding yep. ding 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 ding. Yeah, absolutely. I think- it was that Saturday uh, Dayton Norfolk Kentucky game, and you just hear all these things. And then the Atlantic Ten decides, nope, no, uh, no college basketball tournament for us. And yeah, it just kind of spiraled from there. But yeah, I was hoping to have a baseball July first, just because a 
it's my first it would have been my first year in Champion City and I was really looking forward to getting back to baseball and working with you and everyone in the league and yeah that's that's not happening until 2021 so I can't wait <laughs> I I can't wait either I hope there's sports in the fall I mean sure here's here's hoping we have high school football but now Chillicothe I mean it's it's a big town but it's not like a major media market like Columbus, sure. Dayton, Cincinnati. What would you like to see in the future for Chillicothe sports or media? Um, I would like to see a little bit better um, local media coverage. We used to have a beat reporter from the local newspaper at the stadium every single day um, writing a game story and a feature story in, in the paper Unfortunately, the reality is, you know, they lost their printing press and then they had to print in Columbus, who's printing for everybody and now not printing at all. Now they're printing in Indianapolis. And so the deadline's now at five o'clock in the evening and the game doesn't start till seven. So that makes it difficult. Um, I will say, though, that the the folks over at the Gazette have done a a good job the last couple of years of trying to give us that coverage in an online format to, to get the information out there and then run some featured stories that don't necessarily have to be as timely. Um, and then we've got a, 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 a gentleman who was the editor who kind of started his own website. He covers high school sports in the area and uh, they've done a lot for us as well, but it'd be cool to have some, some TV media or, or something of that effect, which I doubt will ever happen. But uh that would definitely be a big help from a media standpoint as far as getting the promotion uh, of the, the team out there. Because, I mean, even 27 years in, we get people that come out to the ballpark for a high school game or a, a Legion ball game or a college game that say, I had no idea this was even here. Because we're, we're four miles north, about four miles north of downtown on the uh, VA hospital property kind of tucked back in the trees behind a golf course. And so you can't really see us from the road. And if you don't know, you don't know. If you're not, you know, part of the Chilla Coffee community, then sure, yeah, I, I guess that makes sense. Now, for those interested in joining the broadcasting field, what advice can you give? Do every job you can, and meet everyone you can. Have relationships with those people. Um, be multi-talented, I suppose. Um, I think getting into the broadcast game at the lower level, it helps to be able to offer something else. Um, a lot. I know just from a baseball standpoint, if you want to be full-time 12 months out of the year, then in minor league baseball, a lot of times you have to be a salesman, which is not my jam at all. Um, what's helped me is I do a lot of graphic design and you know anything that is print or web-based with our logo on it usually comes from my computer whether it's a digital ad or a print ad or a program or any of that stuff. So we save money as as versus paying a company to design all of that stuff and print it. Um, so that, that helps there. It helps you get your foot in the door and then you can say, Hey, why don't you uh, let me do play by play here also, but you can never meet enough people and have enough relationships with people around the business. How can people follow your work on social media? So I probably most active on Twitter. I haven't posted a lot lately just because there hasn't been anything going on, but uh, at KJ wise, the number seven K J W I S E the number seven um, on Facebook and Instagram as well. Um, I think if you just, I think J wise 39 is my Instagram. Um, I, I probably post a lot of pictures of ballparks. Uh, usually if I'm going to broadcast a game, I'll post a photo up there and, and a link to where you can listen in. I also have a website. Uh, I'm double check. I think I just changed the name of it. <laughs> I'm sure, you yeah, understand. that might be that might be a little helpful. I think it's JacobWiseMedia.com. Okay. That'll get you. That'll get you where you're going. So I've got samples up there. Um, some of my experience. I also have like design samples and spotter charts on there for my different sports. I usually create my own spotter charts. I have my own baseball scorebook um, that I use. And I have another one that I sell, um, but all there's some samples for different sports on there as well. But that's uh, Jacob wise media.com. 
Jacob, it's been great to talk baseball, even though we don't get a season this year. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, it's been a blast. My first podcast. Your you first win. podcast? First one. Wow. I know you mentioned off air the sound check that you had plans to start one for the paints. Yeah, we're going to call it Horsing Around based off of the name, uh, the paint horse. And uh, I was going to do it basically a weekly just update on the, the league and the team and had a big first episode planned. And then it started to look like we weren't going to have a season at all. So that's uh, kind of pushed back to probably middle of May 2021. Oh, I forgot to ask. Give me the story about the paint's name. All right, so Frontier League starting in 1993. All of the teams were kind of in the Ohio Valley region. And with the name Frontier League, like the original logo was a baseball with a coonskin cap and like it was very (laughs) Frontiersy, which is a great logo, by the way, if you can find one. I think they should sell like vintage shirts. But um, all the teams had Frontier type names. You had the Ohio Valley Redcoats, the Lancaster Scouts, the Kentucky Rifles. So like there was a very there was definitely a theme league wide there. And if you pull out of the parking lot at, at VA Memorial Stadium in Chillicothe and go like an eighth of a mile down the road, there are Indian mounds that are like you can go visit it and see and learn about all of the history. And that area was very uh, heavily populated Native American history. There's the outdoor drama Tecumseh in Chillicothe. So there's a lot of that history in the area and the preferred warhorse of the Native American Indian is the paint horse. Um, and so that's why we went with the paint and we have the horse logo it has nothing to do with uh, painting the side of your house or your car or anything like that. Uh, but uh, it, and it stuck and it's, it's been around for a long time and, and people recognize it now, whenever you go places, uh, you know, you go to a Clippers game. If you look hard enough, you'll find a, a paints logo t-shirt or hat or something floating around there at Huntington park. But uh, it's, it's become a really cool thing. It's a fun story to tell that, that it has meaning to the city and uh, kind of back to the roots of the team starting back in the early 90s. Now, I love the history of the Paints name, but I, I don't know if – I don't think I ever realized the very beginnings of the Frontier League that everyone was named after a Frontier type of thing. Yep. But nowadays you look at it, it's like you got the Y'alls. <laughs> now you got Southern five. Southern Miners, yeah. Yeah, now you got – how many teams are in Canada? Like three? Well, yeah, because they just merged with the Can-Am League, so they have yeah. several there now. Man, the travel on that. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. But, Jacob, it's been great catching up, and hopefully I get to work with you next year. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait for uh, baseball season next summer. And that will do it for this episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. We'll talk to you again for episode 157. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. To subscribe to the podcast, please visit the leewmowen.com slash podcast. From there, you can choose your favorite platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and many more. Interact with the podcast and host on Twitter at the Lee W. Mowen, and at Sunday Pod. Like the Facebook page, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and download the free Flick Chat app. Then search for the local Sunday Sports Group to submit your future Mowen's Mailbag questions. The closing theme is Lights Go Down by Dan Hennig, provided by the YouTube Music Library Collection. This is Lee W. Mowen, and I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Please join me again next week on the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast.